Thank you for all of you here worshiping with us today and also those that are joining us online. I know there's a lot of faces I recognize. Some of you folks, it's, it's been a while. I know coronavirus has been a tough run for, for pretty much everybody. So thank you for joining us here in worship today. My name is Brent Fugate. For those of you I haven't met, I'm the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church. Three and a half years ago, here at Byfield, we began going through Luke's gospel. Over the intervening time, we have worked our way through this book that tells the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection with grace in between. I have preached a total of 73 sermons from Luke. And some of you all have listened to every one of those sermons, so thank you for your patience. Hopefully you got something out of that experience. Today, we complete our journey through the Gospel of Luke. In some stories, when you get to the end, the author will write, and they live happily ever after. Fairy tales often end this way. Many times when the author of a story ends it, though, they don't say, and they all live happily ever after. It's just strongly implied. My wife, Anne, really likes to watch romantic movies. They normally, they normally end with the misunderstood female lead riding off into the sunset with the handsome British guy. <laughs> Those watching the movie are supposed to assume that everything ended happily from there on out. I prefer action movies. They often conclude with a testosterone-fueled version of happily ever after. The evil bad guy has been dealt with. The hero receives the glory he deserves along with a kiss from the beautiful woman he saved. Life in the real world does not normally end with happily ever afters. Today, we are at the end of the story of Jesus' time on earth. But the Gospel of Luke, it doesn't end with a happily ever after. The Gospel of Luke concludes with a to-be continue. Often when this happens in a movie or a book, we are given a hint of what will come next in future installments. That is certainly the case in Luke. In these verses, we are given an indication of what the future holds. So if you will please turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 44 through 53. Those verses are printed in your bulletin. You can read them there. Or if you brought a Bible with you, you're welcome to do that as well. And today we have the special treat of having one of our young people, Lorelai Rupp, read those verses for us. Let's hear the word of the Lord together from Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 44. 
Then he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from, the, from on high. Then, when he had led them out of the vicinity of, Bethle, of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up, taken up to heaven. When they worshipped, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Also, a great job by Lorelai there. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. Today, we celebrate Easter. Not just that it happened, but that it continues into the present. Jesus died and he arose. The story does not end there. Every Christian has their own experience of Easter in the past. And every Christian has a role in perpetuating Easter. We are witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. In this, we are not alone. God goes with us. On Easter, we are looking back on what Jesus has done, which has implications for all in the here and now. Jesus' story, the story of Easter, continues. Easter is like most holidays and how it functions. Most holidays look backwards, but also forwards. Holidays remind us of some significant event that happened in the past. National holidays do this for the country as a whole. On Thanksgiving, we remember the pilgrims coming to a new land where God provided for them through the hospitality of the local Native Americans. July 4th is about celebrating independence from oppression and the formation of a new nation. Personal holidays accomplish much the same thing for families and individuals. They remind us of some significant past event. Anniversaries of all types recall some momentous occasion in the life of a family. Most commonly a marriage, but some families recognize the anniversary of the loss of a loved one. On birthdays, we rejoice that someone we care about was born. On holidays, we remember. We also look forward to the future. They provide a vantage point for us. The most obvious example of this would be New Year's Day. On New Year's, it is traditional to make an optimistic resolution for the coming New Year. This past New Year's, actually look this up, the most common resolution people made, I think everybody was just feeling really down, was just to be more positive. They couldn't even think of anything specific. Almost all holidays do look forward to the future to some extent. 
when people blow out the candles on their birthday cake, they're supposed to make a wish. Wedding anniversaries celebrate when the wedding took place, but also the continuation of the marriage. July 4th is supposed to inspire the patriotism that is necessary for freedom to continue. Easter is a holiday, like most, that is about remembering a past event, while it is also a chance to consider the impact of that past event moving forward. We certainly focus on the past on Easter. In the verses we read today, Jesus reminds the disciples gathered around him of what we commemorate on Easter. Jesus suffered, and on the third day, he rose again. In doing so, everything written in, about Jesus in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms was fulfilled. The events remembered on Easter are the basis for Christianity. The Apostle Paul recognized this. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. The events of the first Easter are the basis for Christianity. Today, we make a special point of remembering what Jesus did, as we should. Jesus said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. The first part of that quote happened a very long time ago. Jesus did what the Christ had to do. It is what we typically think of Easter as being about. The second part of what Jesus says is not a one-time past event. The proclamation for repentance is ongoing. Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, is the basis for forgiveness and new life for all people. No person is righteous. All have followed a road that ends in despair. We have no hope in ourselves. We must turn from our own ways toward the atonement Christ has made for us and the victory he has guaranteed. This is what it means to repent. When we repent, God forgives us our sin. Through the cross of Christ, we come into new life. 
for those that have not had a personal Easter moment, where they heard and accepted the proclamation of what Jesus did on Easter, today can't mean much. It is like me celebrating Cinco de Mayo. I may enjoy it as an excuse to get together with people I care about, wear a sombrero, and eat guacamole. But Mexican independence doesn't actually impact my life. For Christians, Easter is an opportunity to recall what Jesus did and how the proclamation of that truth changed our life. It is through the cross that we die to this world and through the empty tomb that we are made alive in Christ. On Easter, we celebrate not just Jesus' resurrection, but our own. Christians don't just celebrate Easter, though. We are supposed to perpetuate Easter. Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. What exactly are we witnesses of? What do these things consist of? We have a role in communicating to others about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. This used to be common knowledge in our culture. It is less and less the case. Increasingly, we live in a world where the truths of Easter are a foreign concept. Many Christians feel threatened by this. I prefer to think of it as an opportunity. We are witnesses of how our own lives have been impacted by the Easter proclamation. We tell others what we know to be true firsthand. Often when someone that is a Christian hears something like this, they, they get a little panicky. They get a little stressed out. They may not really remember what life was like before they became a Christian, or they do, but it's just, it's just a pretty boring story. Easter is something that should be continually impacting our lives. Not just a one-time event in the past. The grace that comes to us from God through Easter is an ongoing thing. Our repentance in response to that grace is as well. Being a witness is more than just talking. It includes actively living out the implications of Easter. In the years that followed, Jesus telling the people in the room with him in these verses to be his witnesses, Christianity spread like wildfire. Luke doesn't tell us exactly how many people were in this room when Jesus spoke. We know the disciples were there, a few women and some other unnamed people. At most, there were probably 30 people, 40 maps. These people 
they did what Jesus told them to do. They lived as witnesses. Through their lives, the news of Easter spread. Sure, they talked to people. This was not all they did. They loved the poor. They cared for orphaned children. When disease struck, they inconvenienced themselves for the well-being of others. Many of the people who heard Jesus speak these words died as witnesses. The giving of their lives was the ultimate proof that they believed what they said. Their personal sacrifice was a testimony nobody could refute. The results were amazing. The, soci the sociologist Rodney Stark estimated a global Christian population of 40,000 in AD 150, about a hundred years or so after the resurrection, rising to 218,000 in 200, and 1.17 million by 250. Other scholars think these numbers are probably low. Either way, in a little over 200 years, the message of Easter spread from a group that could fit in a room to over a million people. The time we live in may be different from the time of those that originally heard Jesus speak. People still determine would they believe to be true in the same way? People look for consistency of word and lifestyle. If I tell you one thing, and you see me do something different, the only reasonable conclusion is that I, might, I am either a liar or a fool myself. Those that say one thing and do another cannot be trusted. Our world is filled with people desperately seeking a reliable truth to base their lives upon. You can see this search play out in all the ways people seek to create an identity. The proclamation of Easter will resonate in our world to the extent that Christians are reliable witnesses. This is a scary thought. I don't know if I'm up to the task of continuing the Easter story through being a witness. In fact, I am sure I am not. When I look at my own life, I don't have trouble finding failures that disqualify me. I could give you a long list of recent examples. Some of you that know me could provide your own evidence for why I am not qualified, although I would appreciate it if you would not. <laughs> My kids could tell you how often I mess up. Wednesday morning, four days ago, last week, I woke up and I could hear a strange sound. And it was the sound of Anne, my wife, scrubbing on the carpet in our bedroom. What's going on? The dog threw up on the carpet, which is not the way anyone wants to wake up. She also informed me that one of our children had done something that I did not 
find really desirable, we'll say. The way I responded to those situations left a bit to be desired. My actions that morning did not proclaim Easter, that's for sure. If I really wanted to prove my shortcomings, I could share some of the thoughts I routinely had. Jesus said that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. I know I am liable. While I certainly don't fail on purpose, and I doubt you do either, even our failures can proclaim Easter. We don't have to live in shame. Jesus has paid the price for our shortcomings. We can forgive ourselves because we have been forgiven. We can show grace to others and their failure for the same reason. No Christian is perfect. We couldn't be perfect, so Jesus was perfect for us. That is what our lives should proclaim. A lifestyle of repentance is one in which we are constantly turning away from our own shortcomings to what Jesus has done for us. Christians are not solitary witnesses of Easter. We go forward with the promise of God the Father upon us. Jesus said in verse 49 of today's text, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. The promise of God the Father is his presence. God bears witness with us and through us. He does so through his Spirit. The power of God is with any who have repented and turn to all Jesus accomplished on Easter. Our weakness is nothing compared with God's strength. We are a blessed people. Just prior to his ascension, Jesus blessed his disciples. We still operate under that blessing. All the blessings Jesus enjoyed from God have been passed on from Jesus to Christians. After Jesus ascends to heaven, the disciples return to Jerusalem with great joy. You would think they would have had some fear. Jesus was gone. They didn't know what the future would bring. The challenge before them of proclaiming Easter as witnesses was overwhelming. They did not fear. They knew they had God's power, His Spirit, and Jesus' blessing. They returned to Jerusalem with joy, knowing they had a role in continuing the story of Easter, and that they were not alone. The Gospel of Luke ends not with a happily ever after, but with a to be continued. Christians witness to the truth of Easter with our lives. We perpetuate it with God's help and Jesus' 
blessing. We continue the Easter story. That doesn't mean there will be no happily ever after. The arc of history is long. It does have a conclusion. The story will end. The day will come that God will complete his Easter purposes in this world through his power and his people. The story of Easter, God's great story, will end with a happily ever after. Peace and justice will reign unopposed. Evil will be dealt with in totality. There will be no more disease. There will be no more brokenness. The lion will lie down with the lamb. While we wait with expectation for that day, we have work to do ourselves. Christians are called to be witnesses of the historic event of Easter as we look forward to its conclusion. Jesus died that all people might live. The world needs to be reminded of that great truth. We need to be reminded of that great truth. Today is Easter. We should certainly celebrate what Jesus has done. We should also play our part in continuing the Easter story of what Jesus is doing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are those here today that Easter is the equivalent of Cinco de Mayo. And I, I pray for those that are here that find themselves in that position that are unsure of its truth, Lord. And I pray that they would seek to know that truth. I pray for those of us that, that claim the truth of Easter but have so much difficulty living them out and continuing that truth. I pray that you would be with us, that we would sense your presence, Lord, your power, that we would know that we are a blessed people. And I pray for this world that we live in where there's so much pain and controversy and disease and so many other things, Lord. We know that you have a plan, a plan for everything to end well, Lord. And we would, we would ask, we would plead that you would bring that plan to its conclusion. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.